Well, it's good to be in Maple Park. I remember the first time I came to Maple Park was, I believe, back in 1976. And I've always had good memories. Uh, a lot of it I got introduced, uh, introduced kind of to the Lutheran Brethren through Bible camp in the mid-70s. And so I remember da Pastor Dave Rendon as well. As was said, I've known Adam since he was just a young man and he did youth work at Marysville at Word of Life and now he's the pastor here and so he called me a few months ago and asked if I would be willing to come and speak on a Sunday morning and I agreed. I want to look at a text today um, that I think for many is very familiar. It's a text that addresses circumstances that come into our lives. Paul in this text addresses a thorn in his flesh and the things that challenge us, challenge us to believe that there's still greater things that God wants to do in our lives regardless of what we encounter day to day. But can we trust him? Can we continue to walk through those circumstances in life, keeping God's perspective no matter what life presents? And even as Paul talks about it here is that the messenger of Satan kept reminding and kept creating in him a sense of was his faith adequate? Was his calling still true in his life? And so I want to read uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. And I'm going to read from the message. Uh, Eugene Peterson, I think he does a good job as kind of the paraphrase of this as well. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for its faithfulness. Thank you for its words into our lives every day. It's not something that grows old. It's not something that accumulates dust, but it is a dynamic word. It's a word that has life that gives us energy. And Lord, even in the times when it doesn't seem to really speak to us, in the times when circumstances challenge what we believe, God, may we still be able to continue to walk and look through that word to guide us through whatever we're facing. Ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he did, in fact, he did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift, and I begged God to remove it. 
Three times I did that. And then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Well, as I said a little, a little bit ago, I really, my title is Greater Things Are Yet to Come. Keeping God's perspective in life. I've experienced some of my lowest moments in my life over the past seven years. And I can relate to Paul asking God three times to remove a thorn in his flesh. And we don't know. I mean, there's lots of things that say, well, his ailment, this thorn, maybe had to do with a physical problem, maybe eyesight. Or maybe it was some circumstance that was a thorn in his faith. and We just don't know. But we are told it's, a, it's Satan's angel, his messenger, who came down and did his best to kind of irritate and challenge his faith during that time. Three times in the past seven years, I was told I was no longer needed. I was out of a job. And up until that time in my life, I had never been asked to leave a job. In fact, when I moved to a different job, I was always asked to reconsider, to stay. But I had never heard those words that I was no longer needed. Brene Brown, one of her books is entitled Braving the Wilderness. If you haven't read it, it's actually a pretty well-written book about what it's like to be out and to feel the loneliness, to feel like you're all alone. And she had a researcher from the University of Chicago who had been studying loneliness for over 20 years. And he described loneliness as a perceived social isolation. We experience loneliness when we feel disconnected. It's interesting in life that we had a lot of smoke this last summer. And pollution increases your odds of dying by 5%. Living with obesity, 20%. Excessive drinking, 30%. But living with loneliness increases your odds of dying early by up to 45%. 
And it's really no accident that God created us as a church, as a body of believers, to be one, to be a collective body that goes through life and we support and encourage as we go through that. But our faith can be deeply challenged when we feel isolated or we feel marginalized. Again, whether it's a personal relationship, could be somebody at work, can even happen through the church. But nothing really rocks and disturbs us and settles us when we hear we're no longer needed or valued. Or that's what we hear. It eats at the core of our identity and how we perceive our own value. And it's also a place, you know, where we're most likely going to question God. I'm going to question his presence and where he is, what he's up to. It challenges the idea that greater things are yet to come because we don't feel, we don't see, we're not experiencing those greater things in times of trying circumstances. Internally, we kind of hit the pause button on our faith. We feel like we're kind of facing all these things on our own. Again, that whole eye of that whole idea of feeling disconnected. C.S. Lewis, years ago in his book, A Grief, Res- A Grief Observed, he wrote, Meanwhile, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms. When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, if you turn to him then with praise, you will be welcomed with open arms. But go to him when you... Your need is desperate. When all other help is vain, what do you find? A door slammed in your face, a sound of bolting, a double bolting on the inside, and after that, silence. You may as well turn away. And it's true. If any of you here today yourself have had circumstances where you have felt isolated, where you have felt on the outside. It's a feeling that is common. We want to believe in those times that greater things are coming. But the reality is we tend to lose our grip on God's grace. We tend to feel that his charm and his favor in our life have moved on. And yet we know from Scripture, whether we start Genesis, clear through the whole Bible, there have always been times where challenges to life and life circumstances, feeling like we're all alone. Moses challenged the Israelites In Deuteronomy, he said, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God will go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor forsake you. In Psalm 118, it says, I will not be afraid because the Lord is with me. People can't do anything to me. The fact that Christ's power 
as we are told and as Paul talks about, is displayed in our weakness, should in fact give us courage. Instead of relying on our own energy and our own insight and our effort and our talent, they should turn us to Christ and look for his wisdom and his strength. Weakness not only helps us develop character, it helps us to understand Christ and his word more deeply. It deepens our worship. Admitting weakness affirms Christ's inexhaustible strength that can work through us. And so I want to just look at three things from this text this morning that help us to see the greater things in times of difficulty. And I think one of the first things that's important when we, when we go through times where we are challenged about how we see ourselves and how we think others see us, we're challenged and shame speaks into our lives. In other words, we feel that the sense of we're the problem. And so Paul says, I think we need to acknowledge our struggle, not hide it. Owning our circumstances and not looking to blame people or even God for what we're going through. And Paul, when he was weak, the thorn in flesh had exposed his faith. And it was challenging. And it was challenging how his relationship with God was as well. And as Paul says, at first he didn't think of it as a gift. And he begged God, take it away. It's interesting, the word that is used there, the Greek word parakaleo, when he calls out to God. It's the same word in 2 Corinthians that's used of God comforting us. Parakaleo means, para is the word, preposition, alongside. Kaleo is I call. It's to be called alongside. And acknowledging the struggle, Paul in a sense, is calling God alongside, saying, God, I need you at this time. I've got this thorn in my flesh, and it hurts. It can be humbling to admit that maybe you've prayed about the thorn, even as Paul, and it is still with you. Feeling on the outside, Feeling as if you don't matter. One of the things that happened when the Israelites, when they were being pursued and they were being pushed and Moses was leading them and they thought they were going to have this wonderful be out of slavery and they were going to have this exodus and yet when they were pushed up against the sea with no place to go. Moses said to them, don't be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance of the Lord. He will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The difficulty of expressing weakness 
It's never fun. I remember when I was asked to resign as pastor in Ferndale. I can still clearly remember that day. How difficult for me to want to say or to acknowledge what had happened because deep inside I felt this shame. Shame says you're the reason. Shame says there must have been something wrong. Shame says you're on your own. You're on the outside now. It doesn't allow you to hear the word of God and to hear the fact that God has a plan beyond where you're at. And so it becomes very difficult in a place like that to ask for help because you feel like you're the problem. You don't want to be seen as a failure. And so you hold all this stuff inside. And part of it, I wanted to blame others. I wanted to point the finger at the church because they're the ones who asked me to resign. And I struggled to see God in something that so, to me, exposed my weaknesses. I was making my thorn a personal failure and failing to see God and to trust God and His grace and that He still had a future and a hope for me. Ed Campbell in his book says, Failure is an important part of learning, but acknowledging this truth is not enough. That's because failure is painful. And our feelings about this pain tend to screw up our understanding of its worth. Left to our own devices, most people don't want to fail. It screws up our understanding of our worth. It does. Because again, it's all about ourselves and all about that we've been exposed. It's the idea that we get to this place and we misplace our value, which Paul talks about here. That the very thing that could have happened to Paul and that Paul was concerned about was the very thing I faced in my life. I had to again acknowledge that I had made my position, I had made my job more valuable than it was. I had come to a place, in a sense, where I had begun to worship that. I love the story of Joseph in Genesis 45. When he calls his brothers next to him, his brothers who had thrown him in the cistern and then decided, ah, we shouldn't let him die in there, so they pulled him out and they sold him into slavery. And then they went home and told their father that their son, his son, had died. What a cruel story. Yet the reality of our humanity in one sense as well. But the brothers later years, there was famine and so they came and they didn't know that Joseph was in a high position. That Joseph actually had the power to give them the food and the grace that they needed. And so in Genesis 45, we hear this part. Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because 
it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Joseph is saying, I don't blame you. I don't blame you guys. I could have done the same thing. But Joseph was saying God had a plan then. And that even in difficult circumstances, even in times of failure and poor choices, God's word and his promise stand alone. Shame says that our failure and our failure to do what is right is our fault. And we're getting what we deserved. Shame says nothing good can come. It's a mess. And Paul says in that verse 10 of our text, I delight in weakness, again, in insults, hardships, whatever it is, it shows I'm vulnerable. He says, and I need to depend on God's grace. That's the reality. Till I came to a place that I could say, I didn't fail. It's not about me. It's really about God changing directions in my life. And whether that was God's chosen direction, he still leads and he still guides and directs to trust and to follow him in those difficult times. And so at least the second thing I think Paul addresses here, we have to change our mindset in difficult times. Again, that verse, he begged the Lord three times. Instead of running from our pain and our discomfort, to start see that in pain, that in the painful circumstances is the recipe for change and learning to trust God when we only see uncertainty. Now, in my private practice, I see people and they come to me And for many of them, it's very difficult for them to address their circumstances, to see their involvement in the problem. And so there's a lot of pointing at fingers, pointing fingers at each other and not owning what they've gone through. And I always tell couples, I said, the very thing that you don't want to address, the very thing that you're trying to avoid, that is the place you need to open up. That's the place that has the recipe for your success. Just as it did for me, once I opened up the thing, the very thing I didn't want to look at, who I was, who I was depending on at that time, it just got exposed. God used that circumstance for me to change how I was thinking and to come to a place to acknowledge and follow and trust in his word again. I think of the parables of Jesus. A lot of these parables are about the kingdom of God. And when you put this small little seed in the ground and you just put it wherever and you trust God to let them grow and you say, God, do whatever you want with those seeds. Those can be even the thorns of your flesh. They can be be the pieces of your life where you struggled. And even for me at that time, it was a place for me to begin to take the little seeds of faith and start to replant. 
It's always amazing when we give our weak faith to God and trust that to Him, He enlarges whatever appears to be small and insignificant. And so one of the perspectives is, is don't hide and don't isolate. Hebrews says, stir up one another to love and good deeds. If we can't tell the body of Christ, if we can't communicate with the church, if we can't be vulnerable, then we can't find help. We can't find the support to go through those circumstances in our lives. Vulnerability is the ability to be imperfect and be okay with it. Vulnerability is the place to say that I failed, even to say I'm no longer a pastor of a church, but it doesn't define me. It's okay to have imperfections. It's okay to have places where things that don't go the way you want. James says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together <clears throat> whole and healed. <clears throat> the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful and to be reckoned with. Joseph, his story speaks to getting a new perspective. Don't forget all the pain and the years that Joseph spent in prison for really doing nothing wrong. But Joseph had a different mindset. He saw God in his misfortune. His brothers saw fear. <clears throat> they were <clears throat> resentful and they had anger against Joseph, especially as a young boy when he boasted about his relationship with God and they wanted to put him in his place. And they were afraid. And so Joseph asked us to see life differently. Yes, whatever your circumstances, your thorn in the flesh sometimes might last longer than you want. But there is purpose in pain. It is a call to see things differently. Even as Joseph, you sold me, God sent me. Whatever, even today, you may be challenged with. The thing is, is not to deny how it has challenged even your faith, but to say, I need God's help. I need God to step in. And so, the last thing I want to look at is, is to seek the greater things to come, even in the midst when it feels like there's fog and you can't see the other direction, is to keep walking. I work with people who have OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And one of the things we work with people that are struggling with that is not to remove them from their compulsions, but to expose them. And through exposing and feeling that strong pull to do it, at that point, we can help them 
change their thinking. And by changing their thinking, because the part of their brain called striatum has a dysfunction in it. It's like a computer board. It's broken. And so they have to really work on what they're thinking. And so it's the same for us. When we go through difficult circumstances, sometimes we just need to remind ourselves that greater things are coming. But he said to me, it's interesting, when Paul was going through this, but he said to me, again, it's another grammar thing, but it's a beauty of what the Greek talks about. It's a perfect tense. Perfect tense means it's action that happened in the past and it's completed and it continues into the future. And so when Paul says, but he said to me, he's saying, God is saying, but Paul, remember what I've done in the past. Remember what my word says. Remember my promise to you. It doesn't stop in any circumstances. It's always dynamic and it continues into the future. It's active. And so when clouds come and when difficulty we face, we keep walking. Same thing we do with OCD. When you feel that compulsion, don't stop and retreat. Keep walking. Because at some point, even as we know in the Northwest, when the clouds come over and the clouds are here, the clouds don't last. They're temporary. We need to realize that sooner or later, those clouds will blow through and the sun will come and shine again. When Paul talks, my grace is enough, that literally means the freedom from want. It is to be satisfied, it's to be content, to trust God's perspective, with the implication of it leading to a more satisfying result. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, kind of similarly, the word bless means to be empowered for abundant living. To endue with power for success, prosperity, children, and longevity. And so Paul talks about that power is manifested in our weakest moments. When we're most vulnerable, it's the point where we are most receptive. It's at the place where we most need it. It's when we ought to be most open about it in our lives. And it's a word dunamis. It's one of my favorite words in the New Testament. It's where we get the word dynamite. Dunamis, power, when it refers to God, is something that we cannot contain. It has unlimited potential. We pack, which I call that faith dynamite, no matter what we're going through. And Paul is saying, when I have that faith dynamite, I can face any circumstance because it's always more powerful than my circumstances. In the Old Testament, the word for power means strength, superior force, dominion. Isaiah says, you who are far away, hear what I have done. You who are near, acknowledge my power. And as Paul says, the idea is to be in that place so that that power rests on us in our circumstances. Roman, Romans 8 
two things that really come out in Romans 8 when it talks about where we are. Because in Romans 7, Paul talks about the struggle that he goes through. And it keeps coming back. But Romans 8 talks about waiting eagerly and having hope with some reason and some sense of confidence that something better is coming. In verse 25 it says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In verse 26, meanwhile, the moment we get tired in waiting, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching grounds. God comes again alongside. So in conclusion, no matter what you face, no matter what your thorns or difficulties, there are greater things to come. Like Joseph, we need to learn that life circumstances aren't the defining moments. It's what God does with our circumstances. Learning to practice our faith when we don't see a place to go. When God appears to be silent, He appears to be absent. And so the challenge in these times is to choose courageous faith. Expose our hurt. Don't stop hiding or isolating, but ask for help. Learn to give and receive help because ultimately greater things are yet to come. Amen.